Augmented reveals the stories behind a new era of industrial operations where technology will restore the agility of frontline workers. In episode 25 of the podcast, the topic is industrial tracking, drones, warehouses, and theme parks. Our guest is Mark Goldfarb, CEO and co-founder of the Israeli startup 6D of Space, who is a panel speaker at an upcoming fast-paced panel debate with Q&A on Industry 4.0 with top Israeli startups and advanced manufacturers from New England. The event is a collaboration between the New England Advanced Manufacturing Hub, AmHub, a global network associated with the World Economic Forum, the Government of Israel's Economic Mission to North America, Tulip, and Stanley Black and Decker. In this conversation, we talk about positional tracking technology, touch on the many tracking technologies that exist out there, magnetic, UWB, Wi-Fi, LiDAR, LiFi, each with pros and cons. We then move on to optical tracking, an approach that uses light and as such requires a direct line of sight, but is less power hungry than other approaches. We discuss outfitting factory floors with this stuff to track movement by vehicles, people or goods in a manufacturing warehouse and exciting futuristic use cases in remote surgery and landing space shuttles. Augmented is a podcast for leaders hosted by futurist Trond Arne Unheim, presented by Tulip.co, the frontline operations platform, and associated with MFG.works, the manufacturing upskilling community launched at the World Economic Forum. Each episode dives deep into a contemporary topic of concern across the industry and airs at 9 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time every Wednesday. Augmented, the Industry 4.0 podcast. Mark, how are you today? I'm great. Nice to see you again. Yeah, I'm so excited to uh, to discuss technology with you. And I wanted to recognize that, you know, you grew up in uh, New York, went to Queens College, City University of New York, computer science, 25 years in New York, you tell me. Uh, but then you moved back to Israel and, and you weren't necessarily in the, in the tech space, but, but you're back. What's, what's the story? So, no, so I grew up in New York. I was born in New York. And uh, I guess uh, my education, everything has always been uh, Israel should be our homeland. I don't know. And uh, after I was married uh, with a kid who was six months old, my wife and I decided uh, to move here and we moved to Jerusalem. Um, I still had my business in New York, so I was traveling back and forth. I was probably one of the first telecommuters in Israel going back and forth. Um, and uh, that business lasted for 25 years till 2009. So I ran it for the last 10 to 15 years from Israel. Uh, I moved to Israel in 96. The, uh, and then when that closed after the financial crisis in 2008, most of our clients were financial companies. I swore I would never go back into technology. And uh, I enjoyed real estate for many years here. And at the end of 2016, uh, my partner, Daniel, uh, one of my two partners here, said to me, we were volunteering together at a local elementary school. And he said to me, uh, Mark, I'm starting a startup and I want you a CEO. So I said, I'll give him six months. And four years later, I'm still here. I'm loving every minute of it. Uh, so That's fantastic. Well, ne ne never make promises like that with a startup, exactly. right? <laughs> I'll give you six months. That kind of thing is crazy. So uh, tell yeah, me... Tell me a little bit about this, uh, this startup because, you know, we're talking about industrial tracking here, lots of interesting applications. Um, first off, where is the technology coming from and, and how did you uh, guys develop it? 
Okay, so the technology idea was for virtual reality initially, um, and it was Daniel, when he was working at his previous company, started playing with a virtual reality headset, a company called HTC, and they required these beacons to be installed on the wall. And Daniel did a quick calculation that um, if you would have someone install the beacons on the wall for you, it would be about $150, and that was very unreasonable. Um, to have to add this if for someone who wanted to use virtual reality to start having all these extra costs. Why do you need these beacons? Why can't we use lights? And that's how the idea started. Our third partner, Dr. Cloney Lieberman, also a New Yorker originally, he is an optical physicist. And he said, okay, I can, uh, with optics, make that happen. And uh, Daniel, who's an electronics engineer, my background is technology and business and Clonia and optic physics. Uh, we made a perfect team to move this product along. And what we're doing is we've developed a sensor with the algorithms behind it that track your movement based on light source. Uh, we work with either visible or infrared lights and we can track movement. So we started with the headset, uh, but today we can work with forklifts, robots, tractors, any type of moving vehicle, even drones. We see the light at a thousand times a second. So we're very fast. We are not a camera. We're only seeing a one dimensional image. So there's no issues of privacy. Um, and you combine all that together. It's a very powerful product. Yeah, it's interesting because so this is a type of optical kind of positional technology, uh, obviously, uh, that offers, uh, I guess, low cost uh, compared to to all of these other types of installs and, and also low power and, and low latency, right? So there are a lot of different uh, aspects here. Correct. I mean, the, there are some other inexpensive uh, solutions out there. But I think the big thing here is the low power consumption that we use, and we're very fast. Uh, Camera-based solution will take about 30 milliseconds of between frames. We take one millisecond. So uh, while that might not seem a lot to the naked eye, it is a big deal uh, when it comes to tracking. Before we uh, dive into the use cases here, can you uh, just give me a sense of industrial tracking overall? Because I know there are there are a bunch of different technologies. Each of them have their pros and cons. Can you just uh, give us an overview of the space? Sure. So uh, I'm not an expert in the whole space as a whole because actually it's a pretty wide space. One of the most popular ones being used is camera-based tracking, uh, where you put cameras around a warehouse or a factory and using uh, different vision algorithms uh, to track the movement. You also have different ultra uh, uh, different uh, uh, ultra band waves. Uh, you have a something called LiFi that's also being used uh, using. Uh, there's a Wi-Fi technology. There's Bluetooth technology. Um, you have magnetic technology. There, there, there are many different technologies being used. The problem with every single technology, including ours, is that it has its limitations. And I think for every use case, you have to find the best one. We were dealing with a theme park to track people within a theme park. And they were using originally a magnetic-based solution. And they realized that people came into the parks with magnets. So the magnetic-based solution didn't work right. Um, so we're one of many solutions. Um, we believe ours is one of the simplest uh, to configure and set up and to maintain. Uh, but there's definitely others out there. Hmm. So 
uh, a lot of it is is uh, about reducing the 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 data, right? Because you said you're not using a full camera image. There's just sort of right. two advantages because there's the privacy, obviously. That clearly, you know, you're collecting less information. So depending what you know what the use case is, that's obviously uh, you know an issue. But uh, the computational sort of flexibility um, of it uh, is is interesting. There, give me a sense of. So you said. Uh, theme parks. What are some of the other use cases you mentioned? I mean, it's it's pretty wide from drones to to theme yes. parks so, to so industrial uh, kind of capabilities, which I guess is the the main thing I wanted to cover here in warehouses and stuff. Sure. So I, I guess we have three areas that we're focusing on today, and another two areas in the future. The three areas today are military, which is where the drones come in, and uh, we've also done stuff with NASA. We were finalists in their competition. Uh, but that's the military aerospace end. We have the straight virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, which could be theme parks, it could be gaming, it could uh, even be in the industrial space because people are using augmented reality today for maintenance uh, to track the head movement or the camera movement. Um, and then the third area is tracking vehicles in a warehouse, factory, or big open space. And I think that's what we're focusing on today. Where in a typical warehouse or factory, you could have many different vehicles moving around. It could be trains, it could be forklifts, it could be automated forklifts, it could be manual forklifts, it could be robots, different company robots. It could just be a wagon, a trolley, as the British people say, uh, pushing through. Um, there's a lot of different things moving around. Every one of them has its own software or it doesn't have software at all, depending if it's manual or automated. And they don't talk to, to each other. Our system gives you the ability to connect them all and to get one data flow of where every device is, every one of these vehicles is at the same time. And that could be from a safety perspective. It could be from a logistics perspective, uh, whatever's needed. And and where are you with the warehouse use case uh, today? Do you have uh, POCs? Do you have active uh, customers? Do you, are you already tracking some of these moving vehicles or items in the, in the factory floor? So we have POCs. We're actually very weak on the POCs in the factory floor. We're in the advanced discussions with a group in South Africa and a group in the U.S. right now to set up a POC. Um, We've done tests, obviously, in our office. There's even some videos on our website uh, showing uh, the technology. One of our biggest uh, issues is we like to work with infrared lights. So that is requiring the installation of infrared lights. So we're working to reduce the, the cost and the aggravation of installing this infrastructure. Uh, that's one of the projects that we're focused on right now. Um, but otherwise, we've been getting excellent feedback. And uh, one of the reasons we don't have POCs is we were ready for POCs right at the beginning of Corona, and uh, that cut short all traveling at that point. So uh, we're now starting to pick up again, and uh, we hope that by the end of the year, we'll have uh, a number of test sites all over the world. Yeah, so to that point, right, one of the reasons we're talking is that we are uh, going to be together in this event, uh, this uh, webinar panel, and, and one of the goals is kind of to 
to have uh, Israel meet New England, essentially, <laughs> for a uh, advanced manufacturing match and partnering. So my question then is, on U.S. soil, what, what, what are some of the ideal partners? I mean, you, you said there are three use cases. There's military and then there's you know, theme parks. We'll, we'll get to that. And, and the exciting you know, AR use cases are, are, are interesting. But, but when it comes to just the manufacturing use case, what would be your ideal partner here in New England? Are, are you looking for larger companies with bigger factories? You're looking for sort of smaller uh, factories where you can, you know, really, really test out your proof of concept and, uh, and lock in kind of an experience that, uh, that you can demonstrate to others. What, uh, what are you looking for? So I, I guess we're looking for everything, but I think the ideal partner for me right now would be the larger companies. A lot of experience uh, with our other POCs dealing with large multinational companies. Uh, we have the patience to deal with them because it's a different way of dealing with larger companies. Uh, companies that have multiple warehouses and factories where they can easily give us a test space. And we know that if the test is successful, it would be easily, we, 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 they have the places to roll it out to the other locations. So uh, to us, uh, the larger multinational companies with a large amount of space uh, in the U.S. Uh, would be the ideal for us. Um, that would be a good starting point, I think. So you, I believe you, you are in advanced discussion with an automaker in Detroit. Uh, what exactly are you tracking or planning to track for them? So the, what we're, we're talking to the automaker in uh, Detroit is the for their factory floor on a typical, and we've actually had a number of automakers ask us this question. One of them has proceeded uh, to the POC level, but uh, we're in discussions with others. A automaker has many, many different vehicles moving on their factory floor, um, and there's almost no control over it. Uh, every system uh, talks its own language. So our system would be the unifying factor in everything and give them some control over what's going on. It will hopefully make the system safer, the overall floor safer, um, make them more efficient um, and give a better overall, better product in the end. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, factories are becoming smarter, right? Advanced manufacturing, that's sort of what it means. But but what it also means is there's a lot more going on and a lot more moving pieces. And, you know, famously, you know, robots, of course, are regulated in that sense, industrial robots, because they historically, you know, are viewed as dangerous with, with good reason, because, you know, <laughs> when you don't really know what a robot is doing, that's the dangerous thing, so you get them in. Um, what is the prospect of of having the factory become a safer <laughs> safer place in the future? Um, I think it's a necessity. I mean, it's, and I think from our technology will be one of the enabling technologies. Uh, and as for any safety point of view, you need to know where every device is at any moment. Uh, either live information or the ability to go back and look at the history to see where the problems were so you can correct it going forward. And our systems offers both. We'll know where every device is that's connected at any time. Um, and that information is recorded. Um, so from a safety point of view, we can even build our sensor into a hard hat and track people wearing hard hats on a on the factory floor. So to, we can warn them when they're going into a dangerous area or to restricted areas. Um, there's a lot of aspects of safety, I think, uh, that makes our technology incredible. 
Um, one of the things that you mentioned to me earlier, which I thought was interesting, was you're, you're exploring partnerships with lighting manufacturers because you, you mentioned this idea of co coded infrared light, which, of course, you know, if you have to install it, well, that was one of the original proof points of your technology that it's easier. That's <laughs> but, right. But then you have to install lights uh, if you work with infrared. So now you're back to, to essentially exactly. needing lights. Um, this whole retrofitting or or actually not retrofitting you know working with uh, you you know with uh, new uh, greenfield uh, factories how important is that going to be going forward to sort of an, essentially in already have the smart infrastructure from the get go i think it will be urgent going forward in other words i think we'll survive either way but if we really want to push out the fact that we want people to say, hey, six stuff inside, six stuff is ready. Um, there's no better way than uh, when a company refits the entire lighting system for, for a lower cost lighting system, which will lower their electric bills, lower their maintenance costs. If at the same time, they're having the ability to do better tracking, which can lead to better safety and better management of the warehouses, I think it's a win-win for everybody. Um, clearly, not every factory and warehouse is going to be retrofitting all the lighting today, but over a 10, 15-year period, most factories and warehouses will go through some sort of renovation, um, and we want to be part of it. And that's why we are talking to lighting manufacturers and the installers about partnerships, uh, um, it's something that we didn't think of in the beginning. And as you, I mean, yes, technology evolves. Uh, what a startup starts on day one and what they do on day four are usually very different. Uh, it would be nice that we work perfectly with regular visible lights that you see in a factory. But the fact is, we don't. We know, we know our limitations, uh, but we know the power of our technology. And by partnering with the lighting companies, um, it becomes a win-win for everybody. You know, it's funny you said you your background was in real estate. I don't know if it was commercial real estate, but there is a very interesting link between smart factories and real estate, right? Um, I would have to say two of our investors are also in real estate. I think they uh, see, see that connection. So uh, there's definitely a connection there. Um, I wanted to address your name, uh, the name of your company, I mean, uh, 6D of Space. Give us a sense. I mean, it's pretty obvious to some people, not to others, but uh, the name is actually your technology, I guess. Yes. So what it means is six degrees of freedom, a uh, 6DOF. Um, six degrees of freedom is the position in space that any object is. It's the six points. It's the XYZ, the role you're in pitch. Um, and that gives you the, 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 the actual position of, and you can define any item where it is in space based on those six numbers. And that's where the name comes from, six degrees of freedom. Let's touch on a couple of the other use cases. You said you've been working with a large entertainment company in Florida. I'm not going to ask which, but you know, uh, if they have theme parks, uh, there, there are a bunch of them down there. Head tracking for AR headsets. So that, that's exciting. That's like a futuristic uh, use case. Tell, I would tell me how so. that works. Um, listen, I, I, we, we try not to understand exactly, you know, we, we don't know exactly how our customers are going to use the technology. We, what we look at is they're going to use augmented reality and they need a way that when a their customers come to the theme park, they don't sick when they put on the reality headset. Uh, they, they, they have to have a good experience. If when they turn their head, 
the screen takes a few milliseconds too long to update the view that they see when they turn that way. Um, it's going to be a bad experience. And the last thing any entertainment company wants is a bad experience for their customers. So they're looking for the best tracking technology to give the best experience to their customers. We had a very successful POC with this company. Uh, we hope that uh, post-corona, the technology gets rolled out in the theme parks. Uh, we're definitely looking forward to that day. Well, it's interesting with, with augmented and mixed reality, right? It's had a, I mean... You know, there are, there are obviously supporters, but there's also detractors in the sense that, you know, it, it has had its uh, starts and, and stops. And, you know, it's sort of to the critical eye, it kind of never actually makes cool. it into, into mainstream, right? Because, you know, the mainstream consumer is extremely demanding. I mean, these are people who, who are, there's a point in if the next iPhone or, or Samsung doesn't have, you know, a 10x better camera or something. So these are not, you know, the fickle consumers, the chameleon consumers, as one of my uh, other podcast guests has pointed out. This is uh, a tricky, it's tricky to operate with consumers. It is, and that's why I think you need to separate the market for augmented and virtual reality, the consumer market and the industrial market. Uh, when we started, we assumed that, we did not look at the difference between the two markets and we looked at their million potential millions of potential customers that are going to use augmented reality and virtual reality headsets. And one of the major companies who make the headsets would like our technology and buy us out. In reality, in the consumer world, you have your enthusiasts out there, but in the consumer world, people are not using headsets. People do not like them. On the other hand, in the last, uh, I would say, four or five years, you've seen a surge on the industrial enterprise uh, space for using uh, AR and VR. Uh, you're seeing now more and more companies using it for maintenance, uh, for technicians going out into the field. It might not be a headset, it might just be a camera, but they're using the augmented reality technology uh, to help them along. So we pivoted our focus from the consumer market to the industrial space. And we are very strong believers that uh, that space will only grow um, in the augmented and virtual reality markets. And I think during Corona this past year, we've seen that um, virtual reality has actually become more used. Uh, it, was, it was definitely one of the avenues to allow people to attend remote meetings and uh, uh, remote conferences. So uh, um, uh, we, we definitely see that uh, in the enterprise and the industrial space, uh, the markets are all going to grow. You know, uh, you said two things that, that made me think of. So one is uh, Corona, while it was a, disrupt a disruption, uh, you know, COVID has essentially opened up a lot of uh, markets as well, right? You know, these POCs uh, suddenly became reality. Factory shop floor need to automate. It's not an option or, you know, some, you know, we, we're going to automate over the next few years. No, no, you, you need it now. Um, how is that translating, do you think, into, into the space you're operating in? Um, it, it's funny. Corona did not hurt our business overall. Obviously, we had some months that we were not in the office and it was hard to develop, but uh, as a business model, I don't think it hurt us. Um, and I think going forward, it will help us And because uh, I think people are realizing that automation, as you just said, is definitely the way uh, uh, things are happening going forward. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so automation is is, is happening, and uh, the technology that you're using, sort of optical technology and photonics, interests me quite a bit. There seems to be an uptick in use cases in in kind of a you know it's obviously a deep research area, but it is connected to so many innovations. Can you comment more generally about how the use of light is going to uh, you know, is it kind of a, a generic platform technology that we're going to see appearing in a in a multitude of industrial uh, uses, or or is it a little bit more narrow than that? So this is clearly not my expertise; it's my partner's expertise. But I think you see, we are not lidar, uh, but you definitely see lidar. Uh, um, being used all over the place, um, and especially in uh, automated vehicles. Um, so optics is starting to, I mean, it's continuing to play a very important role uh, all over the place. I think we're also seeing it as a form of uh, communications that wireless communications using lights. Um, we're seeing this in some of our aerospace and military type projects uh, that, uh, being able to communicate by light signals is something that's definitely uh, moving forward. So yes, I, I think light is a very important part. I think optics in general is very important. As we're looking towards the next decade, what, what, what are some of the use cases you hope at 60 of Space to be involved in when it comes to more excitable, uh, you know, exciting areas. I mean, we talk about theme parks, those are exciting, but are there uh, some of these military applications we haven't covered so much? So what are some more, uh, uh, you know, applications in space even that, that you could envision uh, your technology being used for? I actually see the most exciting is, is medical. Um, you know, and the reason we didn't push on it is uh, anything you do in medical today takes years, except, I guess, COVID uh, vaccinations, but anything else takes years to get the approval. So we did not push into the medical space, but with robotic surgery or any type of surgery that requires precision movements, um, I believe that our technology could definitely be an enabling technology uh, uh, as it moves forward. And uh, it's an area that interests me because it's something that helps people. It's giving back to, uh, it's a way that we as a company can also give back to, to society. So uh, um, I, I see medical as one of the most exciting. Uh, there's been some use cases in space that we've spoken to some companies about. Uh, um it might excite my son, who's more into space than I am, but uh, it doesn't really excite me. So I think it's, to me, the medical is probably the most exciting uh, aspect going forward. Well, there are a lot of people who are excited about space these days, right? Uh, it's uh, guiding spaceships, uh, docking yes. spaceships to, to the International Space Station would be right. interesting, right? Yeah, so that's one of the things that we spoke, actually, people from NASA actually suggested to us as we move forward is to use our technology for guiding the landing, what I'm going to call the last few meters of landing a spaceship. Uh, but it could also, by the way, that same technology could be used for guiding a drone, for landing a drone in someone's house. Uh, today, uh, FedEx or UPS puts these boxes there. Uh, going forward, it could be a light beacon that you stick out that the drone... Uh, uh, zeroes in on the light beacon and uh, lands and drops off the package. So um, the same technology both has a uh, military aerospace use and a consumer use. So uh, that is 
somewhat exciting the dual use so. it's uh, it's funny but it, it just uh, gave me a mental image of uh, of this amazon drone delivering all these packages <laughs> to a corner of my garden where i have a a solar light right so it's, right. there could be some collateral damage there if the that's if right. the drone uh, looks at the wrong lights well that's well, why we use co that's why we use coded light beacons so we we know which lights to look at so. it, well see there you go again it's smart infrastructure i think you know this future we're going into it's not going to happen automatically is it it's conscious choices about the technologies and and uh, coding it and uh, um it would it would be also nice right if if it all if society just sort of accepted all technologies you know uh, blanket but it seems like there's a there's a bit of planning involved here if you're going to be position definitely. tracking things definitely so yeah how how long do you think this um sort of positional tracking technology needs to operate in in order to truly see a smart infrastructure let's say a country like the US where arguably has under in, invested in infrastructure which could be an opportunity now that you know the aging infrastructure has to be replaced anyway whether it's bridges or highways or or actually much more basic uh, things even even some some commercial and 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 uh, residential buildings um i mean it's going to be a smart build out essentially of all these technologies uh definitely it's not going to happen overnight i mean uh just my experience of dealing with the larger multinational companies the process of just getting them from concept to project took a year so if you're actually talking about from project to rollout is you're talking about at least a five year process and possibly longer uh so we look at it this we're looking at this for the long term um and my goal is that we're a company where someone can say the same way you say intel inside on a computer a factory or warehouse will say six stuff ready um uh, that uh, they are ready for tracking technology um there could be other technologies they could be ready for so because as i said there are different technologies that are right for different situations so a lighting fixture might install a wifi solution a bluetooth solution and our solution all in one fixture and then the factory the warehouse can choose whichever technology is best for their situation Fabulous. Well, uh look, I thank you so much for uh, uh coming on the show and uh, explaining what you're up to and I wish you best of luck with your company. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. You have just listened to episode 25 of the Augmented Podcast with host Trondar Unheim. The topic was industrial tracking, drones, warehouses and theme parks. Our guest was Mark Goldfarb, CEO and co-founder of the Israeli tech startup 60 of Space. In this conversation, we talked about industrial tracking and the evolution of positional tracking technology, particularly optical tracking, and its exciting use cases in warehouses, drones, theme park uh, parks, AR VR, with ma military, medical, and aerospace applications. My takeaway is that photonics is an exciting field with a tremendous amount of innovation. Optical tracking is only one use case. There are many, many others for this platform technology. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, subscribe at augmentedpodcast.co or in your preferred podcast player and rate us with five stars. If you liked this episode, you might also like episode 14, Smart Manufacturing for All, episode 13, Get Manufacturing Superpowers, or episode 6, Human-Robot Interaction Challenges. 
Augmented, upskilling the workforce for Industry 4.0 frontline operations.